Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, Nick. Are you bored of drinking big fat shots of Director's Bitter and Ladyboy Chasers at home? Tom, I ruddy bloody am. I'm hopping mad and just want some exciting craft beers to enjoy when I'm watching my Bond videos. That's not too much to ask, is it? Well, have I got some good news for you. The fantastic chaps at Beer52 have given us a special offer they'd like us to share with our listeners. Can I just shock you? I, I like special offers. Do, do tell me more. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash monkey tennis Cover the postage cost of £5.95 and you'll be sent a box of eight cracking craft beers plus a magazine and two beer-appropriate snacks. Wow, that is a real breath of fresh air. So you're telling me to get a free case of eight unique craft beers from Beer52, I just need to go to beer52.com forward slash monkey tennis and cover the postage costs of £5.95? Yep, it's literally that simple. It really is lovely stuff. Oh, sometimes you want to say, soddle this wine, just give me eight craft beers. And I've really got to say this, Nick, Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Mm. Yep, each month members are sent a case with a different theme. Past themes have included Belgium, Korea, California, New Zealand and many more. But what if I don't like dark beers? Ah, they've got that covered too. If you don't like dark beer, you can choose the light beer option. And you can pause or cancel at any time. Simply go to beer52.com forward slash monkey tennis and just pay £5.95 postage to get all this now. Crash bang wallop, what an offer. Eight free beers, a magazine and two snacks for less than £6 postage. Mine's not a pint, mine's a box of eight craft beers. I'll drink to that. (laughs) 
I'm hopping mad and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Damn! Monkey tennis? Little pierce my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. No. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmonds is a total wazzard of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who the hell is that? <laughs> this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hello, welcome back, and thanks for joining us at Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, where we are rifling through your feedback ahead of some interviews with notable fans of Partridge coming up later in the series. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. The world's effed up big styly. Nick Alder. Do you want to give it a try and play Beat the Redactor? And Tom Stab. Thousands of what, Ruth? Chairs, beans, cats, <laughs> grapes, crabs... <laughs> so uh, yes welcome and thank you to all of you who've been sending us your feedback via uh, the partridge pod at gmail.com on facebook uh, slash the partridge pod twitter at the partridge pod instagram at monkey tennis pod or on the monkey tennis hotline 07923 we've had literally droves of you droves uh, getting in touch about all facets of the apu alan partridge universe um, and i'm going to pass over to nick with the first bit of feedback for this episode Thank you, Adam. And we're going to kick off with a hot take from Stephen Crawford. And he writes, I've come to the conclusion that Yanucci is a vital part of Alan and is sorely missed nowadays. His last credits with Alan were Mid-Morning Matters Series 1 and I, Partridge, two of my favourites. And I haven't really laughed hard at Alan since then. It seems like Coogan has taken ownership of Alan and brought in some junior members, the Gibbons, to bring his vision of Alan to life. Don't get me wrong, the Gibbons did some great work, but I blame Coogan for making the character stale and not bringing Yunichi back on board. From the Oast House made sense as it continued Alan's downward career trajectory. Putting him back on the BBC in a primetime gig is ludicrous and pisses all over the integrity of the character. I can't see Yunichi agreeing with that if he was on board. The quality control seems to have gone out the window. Oh dear, a very hot take there. That is boiling over. The pan has, you know, <laughs> bubbled up. There's water all over the stove and he goes, Stephen, stop. Um, but what do we think? I think this is the wrongest take that <laughs> I've heard on a feedback episode yet. And let me tell you for why. Um, Strap I in. think, firstly, firstly there's, there's a description in here that suggests that um, Inucci was pushed out. Whereas I think actually he had a lot of his own projects on the go. And for quite a long stretch of Alan's lifetime, Inucci has probably been the most successful uh, of all the writers and or actors involved in, in this project. So I think it's more a case of he didn't need Alan rather than Alan didn't need him. I think describing the Gibbons as junior members when they've been at the helm of this probably <laughs> yeah. longer than Armando Inucci has at this point uh, and arguably brought Alan to some of his most successful outings yet uh, is is doing them a huge disservice. Um, I think putting him back on the BBC in a primetime gig is perhaps arguably ludicrous, but it's certainly not the first time that Alan's done something a bit unusual in order for it to be funny. Um, and I think probably the biggest culprit of that was I'm Alan Partridge Series 2, who was at the helm back then, your lovely Anucci. Um So, yeah, I don't know. I disagree with almost 100% of this, I'm afraid, Stephen. <laughs> Thanks for getting in touch, though. 
It would be interesting to see if this view is uh, reflected by other fops um, that listen to the podcast because I think, you know, I won't retread the same ground, but we've been very, very, very positive about what the Gibbons have brought to, to, to Alan. And I think the amount of uh, the amount of work from, you know, the, the Gibbons do versus perhaps what Steve does these days is is heavily outweighed. And I think... The Gibbons, you know, describing them as junior members, they effectively drive the character these days. They are the ones that we have to be grateful to for Alan existing now because Steve has been very vocal about the fact that, not that he was done with Alan, but he was a bit bored with him. There, You know, he wanted to pursue other projects. He wanted to uh, be a film actor, those sorts of things. And it's thanks to the Gibbons that, he, that they, he's described them as breathing new life into the character and re- reinvigorating his love for him. So, and I think they've done some incredible work. So um, I think uh, following on from what Adam says, the defence rests. There is nothing more to add other than you are bang wrong, Stephen. But please do carry on listening to the podcast and uh, <laughs> and drop us the, uh, 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 the price of a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something interesting uh, talking about his... Lo- um, Armando's last credits being Mid Morning Matters Series 1 and I Partridge. Um, because I, I've always wondered actually how involved Armando was in the writing of those. It feels to me like he was probably more credited on those projects, more of a kind of executive role mm. in terms of like, look, you're one of the people that helped create this character. There's kind of a bit of, a bit of a passing of the baton going on here. Yeah. So we're keeping you part of the creative process, but essentially it wouldn't surprise me if it's more Coogan and the Gibbons brothers essentially going, here's like the manuscript. Are you happy to sign this off and put your name to it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'd be really interested to know the actual kind of details of how that, how that all played out. Also hardcore fans of Partridge will know that Inucci was actually still writing Partridge material just a few years ago uh, in one context. He, um, I think he's a patron of the big issue and for one of their episode uh, episodes one of their issues um he created a transcript of a conversation between Malcolm Tucker and Alan Partridge yeah. mm. um which was really great and you know obviously done for a good cause but reading Alan's voice as written by Inucci in the era when it was also being written by the Gibbons reading what he had put down as Alan's kind of opinions and thoughts felt a little bit weird like touching your aunt's leg <laughs> I think is I, I do think there is a thing where I really do feel now you can see where there's a level of surrealism that Armando's writing uh, always brought to uh, the world of Partridge. Where I think the Gibbons, as much as their writing trajectories will take him down kind of ludicrous paths, like Stephen says, I think they there are always slightly more esoteric surreal references in Armando's writing that, than what you see in Partridge in the more modern Gibbons era. I think. Next, we have a fan theory, and it surrounds a big yellow parka. Luke Woodhouse writes in saying, I was watching Mid-Morning Matters Series 2 this week, and it came to the bit where Alan, introducing Coldplay, has a flashback to when he used to wear a parka. And he gets sentimental, saying, I used to have a parka, and Simon encourages him to buy one. And Alan resolutely says that's what he's going to do. Do you think that the big yellow Parker in the VT segments of this time is a very, very subtle gag slash reference to Alan taking Simon's advice and then going to buy the biggest, brightest Parker he could find? Never noticed this cross-series gag before. Very clever, subtle fan service, if intentional. What do we think? 
It's not I a agree. parka, is it? I don't, I don't, what's, the, what's the definition of a parka? Jacket. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a puffer jacket, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, I like the the I like the thinking and the theory behind it, but it's not a, it's not a parka, is it? it it's a yeah, big massive puffer. Exactly. I, I like I like the thought process, but I think we've got him on a technicality here. Mm. Sadly, it's not the same thing. Next up, we heard from Raphael McGregor. He said, I wanted to mention something that I noticed during the Oast House series. The names of Alan's grandkids seem to be a reference to Jack Ruby, who was the man who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, Kennedy's assassin. Given that there's at least one reference in Gibbons' era partridge to the Kennedy assassination, I'm fairly sure it's intentional. What do you think? That episode also made me wonder about those strange moments in this time and then in the Oast House series where he has a kind of mumbled, strained granddad. Is he maybe thinking about the strained relationship he has with Jack and Ruby in those moments? Can't think of a pithy partridge quote to end with, but as I'm American, just imagine me wearing a fringe jacket, leaving the petrol station and honking the horn as I drive off while you stand there contemptuously drinking the Ginsters which you've had Michael put on the slate. Well... I think you've shown yourself up as a true American there if yeah. you think against this is something that is drunk. I mean, possibly <laughs> if it's microwave till it's hotter than the sun, it might pour out, but uh, very much a pasty, my friend. Some kind of molten hot lava. <laughs> He's mistaken it for Guinness, hasn't he? No, surely not. I think, yeah, because it, it doesn't, it, Alan doesn't explain what a Ginsters is. He just says, grab a Ginsters, put it on the yeah, set or whatever. And he yeah, doesn't true. say what it is. So for all our American listeners, a Ginsters is a, uh, a, a pasty or a flaked I- baked good. A corn, Cornish pasty. Cornish pasty. Yeah. I, I um, also have. I have no idea on the kind of Jack Ruby, Jack and Ruby connection. Part of me wonders if the Gibbons are so smart that almost every single thing in Partridge is a reference to something, and there's all of these things that we aren't missing. And the other part of me just thinks there's a huge amount of coincidence going on here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we didn't. We did have a uh, a message from a listener, which maybe we talked about at the beginning of last series that. They were deliberately putting references in, I think, was it to their school yes, or where yeah, they grew yeah. up or Te- something like that? Teachers so, and, and school references, yeah. So there is a level of that, but yeah, you, I think the Jack and Ruby, Jack Ruby thing could just be a coincidence. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Think, I think the Jack Ruby thing, there's maybe a 50-50 chance. I think the, the strained granddad, I don't think that's him thinking about his relationship as the granddad. I think that is very much him wistfully looking back to his granddad, Graham. Granddad uh, Graham, I think, yeah. I, th- I think that's all that is. Um, but yeah, thanks for getting in touch all the way from America. Um, and uh, yeah, on to the next one. Well, from America to the Philippines. Isabel Gatusolo has been in touch. She writes, Hola, Monkey Tennis. Spanish Filipino partridge fan here. Late for the Osas party, but I just listened to it, then soon after proceeded to your podcast, which is the right thing to do. Good work, Isabel. Uh, Isabel writes, I was born in the Philippines, and you can tell the voice of Rosa absolutely sounds like a real Filipino. That is not an accent, that's for sure. The singing is also very Filipino. The maids do that all the time when they don't think we're around. It's amazing how they got this so on point. Monkey Tennis is my favourite podcast. Thank you for doing this. Well... Thank you for listening, Isabel. Um, so yeah, just good to have some uh, some approval of the authenticity there. I think in this day and age, you can get into quite sticky waters if you uh, try to appropriate an accent or a, 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 through the medium of an actor or, or, or voice talent in this regard. In this instance, who isn't from that place, so um, it, it's a great level of detail. Um, I don't think they would do it. I don't think this would be the case if it was like 20 years ago where you could potentially get away with something like that, doing a dodgy yeah. accent. But yeah, these days you can get into quite sticky water. So obviously they would play it safe and get a Filipino uh, voice actor in to, to do the character of Rosa. 
Next, um, we have a message from Adam Hobbs uh, about the Oast House and listening badges that are awarded on Audible. It's a short and sweet one, and he says, uh, probably covered before, but high noon are badges that you get from Audible. Um, So essentially there's silver, gold, and diamond badges that you can receive. So you get a silver badge for two hours of listening, uh, a gold for three, and a diamond for four hours. And this is during lunchtime, hence the reference high noon um, I can speak as someone that has had the High Noon badge awarded to them as an audible listener. Uh, but Nick, have you gone gold, or are you silver, or are you diamond? Well, I did have a look. I didn't think it was overly clear, to be honest. Um, <laughs> because it's kind of like, I can get the badge here. We can go, we can go live to this. This works well on, um, uh, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is good for audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got 13 badges. Um, Ooh. I think I'm, go- I think I'm gold. I'm going to show this for... That looks like yeah, a gold rim, gold. doesn't it? I, th- I think it's you've gone gold. gold. Yeah. So please don't pass out. We haven't finished recording yet. Uh, also um, been awarded uh, Seven Day Stretch, On the Trot, uh, Weekend Warrior, uh, Social Butterfly, uh, loads you of others. Can list all 13? Pro- on, probably list all 13. On, on, the tr- on the Trot is that listing on the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> I, have to take, I have to take issue with Audible slash Amazon's definition of what lunchtime is. Four hours... So at the minimum, that's 12 midday, and the maximum is 4 p.m., right? To be fair, that is the average length of uh, Nick's business lunches. So. <laughs> no, but that, know, that, doesn't you... mean in one, that doesn't mean in one stretch, right? That's just if you've done four hours of listening. I was going to say, if you're, oh, if, you're, okay, right. if you're working yeah. in an Amazon factory, the last thing you're going to be doing is taking uh, a break. <laughs> Anything north of uh, about 10 minutes. Yeah. I, I, I've misunderstood the uh, the scoring system there, haven't I? <laughs> but anyway, it's probably worth explaining uh, if people haven't caught up with our previous feedback episodes. We were discussing the existence of this badge uh, when the Oast House uh, episodes came out because I think I think I got it, and I don't know if anybody else got it on their device. And I was like, oh, mm. is that like a little Easter egg thing? But no, it's very much it's an inbuilt thing on Audible. You don't have to be listening to the Oast House to get it. Let's talk about Victorian follies. Pieter Offerman certainly does because he sent us an email about them. He says, in a recent episode, you talk about Alan repairing a Victorian folly when he was 13 and how Victorian follies were mentioned earlier in From the Oast House. It is said that there were definitely a few things in the ether in the writing room that were carried through a couple of projects at the same time. However, Victorian Follies have been part of the APU since I'm Alan Partridge Series 1. In one episode, Alan calls his son Fernando and criticises him for spending his his Saturday afternoon in bed with a girl, then tells him to take her out to a local fort or a Victorian Folly. So again, I've got another one. It's it's another through line from Partridge Old to New, and and a random one at that. But uh, but I think that is where the Gibbons are... They're brilliant at this sort of stuff. I think they do pick up on these small details that exist in, I don't know, call it Partridge Era 1 or whatever. I think there are a lot of examples of these you could find where they've taken something that's been in the script and been a reference point from something Partridge in the 90s well before they're involved. And they kind of, it, I think, again, it's kind of talked about this before, it's kind of like a consolidation of the APU. I just yeah. think it's kind of, they know how to layer in small details just to make it short, make it feel like, there's a familiarity to what the what the characters uh, talk about and enjoy and experience mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, I think I, th- I think it's very deliberate and very clever. 
So uh, thanks very much, Peter. And on to Ty Tim, who got in touch on Twitter to say, you mentioned something in the last pod that got me thinking about Alan's income, that it often seems at odds with the size of his house, etc. He says, what if the BBC paid up on Chris Feather's million pound contract, but just didn't make any shows with Alan? And it's never mentioned because he had to sign an NDA. Well, I wouldn't put it past the BBC to A, involve an NDA, or B, to throw a load of money at something that ultimately never came to fruition. So <laughs> I can I can see that being a possibility. What do we think? I like that as, as, a, as a concept, what, why Alan actually has more money than is ever explained i think that's very good yeah, yeah it allows him to like to, to live quite comfortably as well while only working at north norfolk digital oh but no to be fair i'm sure the milk marketing board pay well <laughs> you can't market milk <laughs> uh, but of course we also had the theory we've had this long-held theory as well that when he talks about his six-figure salary he's including the pence <laughs> so that, there is always that option as well but i don't think it would justify a five bedroom bastard house would it so yeah and also, please remember that the mortgage at uh, Denton Abbey is crippling him. <laughs> All right, I think it's time for a bit of partridge in the wild, as we sometimes term it. Other people just say uh, accidental partridge or possibly deliberate partridge. So on Twitter, Luke McKay spotted this and sent this a link. So I'm going to play you this little clip now. And uh, I think we need to answer the question, was this an Allen fan trolling GB News or was this for a genuine news story? this morning, uh, particularly the regional papers. I'm here joined by Richard Porritt from the editor, who's the editor of the Norwich Evening News. Good morning, um, Richard. You've got a story here about the pedestrianisation of, of Norwich City Centre. What's going on there? I mean, I'd, I feel like GB News don't know the joke, but the other guy does, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And and those those of us that were watching the uh, yeah. the, the rapid fall and fall of GB News uh, when it first launched will know that this basically became sport for people to <laughs> ring up and try and get some kind of thinly veiled reference or get them to say something ridiculous or stupid by accident. And this is just another one of many examples that you can find of that happening. Oh, didn't um didn't somebody get their bum out? Jed. Very much like uh, very much like in uh, this time series two, where their, their bum is revealed in a mirror on Zoom. I'm sure that happened. I'm sure we've all seen that. I've not seen it, but I I'm sure it happened. Uh, and also, not the first or last arsehole you're going to see on GB News. <laughs> Ouch. Very good. Um, I've got a message here from uh, Michael Brennan, and uh, he's tackling a subject that. Uh, we've definitely covered before and this is trying to piece together Alan's age by certain um, bits of information that we are fed over um, the Alan timeline. He writes, for the avoidance of doubt, Alan Gordon Partridge was born on the 2nd of April 1955 in Kingsling, Norfolk, making him at the time of recording this uh, 66 years old. Therefore, his 40th birthday flight over Spaghetti Junction would have been in 1995. So this would have been after Kim Kiwap, but before the Christmas special, hashtag Opardum. Um, so uh, <laughs> there are there are notes here in my notes that say easy to clarify this, but I know you've written these notes, Tom Dark, so I might <laughs> throw to you to explain uh, why this is easy to clarify. Well, there's literally there's one marker that gives you exactly what his age is in I'm Alan Partridge series 2 which aired in 2002 he should have been 47 according to the date of birth we've been given and he does indeed say I'm 47 she's 14 years younger than me back of the net so if in doubt the age is literally there but I, but I think the point being that there is more age amb- ambiguity 
as as we as we get further in down the timeline in the APU. So I think particularly any age discussion around the kind of this time era, I think they're a bit less specific about it. Because I think as much as he could as much as he is officially sixty-six years old based on what we know of the APU, I think the Gibbons brothers are less uh, less keen to make that an official age stamp at this point. I think there's a bit of fluidity to it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Now. Now it's time to switch our focus to Norfolk, and we're going to start with Bono's house, um, and this is in reference to when uh, podcast host Tom Dark took a little holiday trip to Norfolk. It was it was a lovely week in Norfolk, and right. I can really recommend it. It was great. Yeah, and we posted. To, uh, well, sorry, I should say Tom posted some uh, some content on the uh, the Partridge socials, which included a visit to Bickling Hall. Which, uh, if you've listened to our podcast or done a little bit of googling, you will know that that is what is used uh, as Bono's house in inverted commas in in I'm Alan Partridge. Um, so Steve Wig has gotten in touch about this, uh, replying to Tom's. Uh, post about going to Bickling Hall and he says I stayed at the pub next to Bickling Hall a while ago and I was chuffed to bits when I realised it was Bono's house then while visiting another stately home close by we had to wait to be let in when the place finally opened the woman in front of us called her husband who had wandered off for a ciggy his name happened to be Dan so she kept on shouting at him until I and another AP fan were nearly crying great day that does sound like a really great day you had a great day there Oh, I did. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Thanks for that, Steve. Um, we also ha- heard from a number of people, uh, including Dave Hughes. Uh, so thank you for letting us know that North Norfolk Digital is becoming a reality. Uh, so I'm now reading what? from an article an article from radiotoday.co.uk. And this uh, is a scintillating article, by the way. Strap in, <laughs> listeners. 
North Norfolk Digital wins Ofcom radio licence, May 2021. A company operating under the name of North Norfolk Digital is one of the organisations awarded a small-scale DAB multiplex from Ofcom today. North Norfolk Digital is a joint project between the SSDAB operators Cambridge Digital Radio in Cambridge and Future Digital in Norwich. North Norfolk Digital includes directors of the existing company stations Cambridge 105 Radio, Future Radio and commercial broadcaster Star Radio. North Norfolk Digital will launch the full-time multiplex later in 2021, initially using two transmitter sites to ensure coverage throughout Kings Lynn and the surrounding villages. So do the people involved in this know they must, right? To, to be calling how, how, it to be calling how it can North you work Norfolk in regional Digital. Radio and not? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I, just, it, I just think it, they if you're a, in the world of regional radio, it's all about being real life partridge. I just think equally, do you think even if this station was subpar, somebody at Ofcom who knows their partridge has gone? Yes, I'm rubber stamping this. Whatever it is, they even if they don't meet the criteria for local broadcasting or for news programming, I don't care. It's North Norfolk Digital is going on the air, <laughs> and it's going to be yeah, North I'll... Norfolk's best music mix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I really like that. I really like that uh, thinking, and also I just enjoyed you reading that email. It was very much like listening to Alan talk about uh, how radio frequencies work in iPartridge, and just as interesting. <laughs> All right, well, I've got something interesting for you. I've got a major shock to the APU. Now, I think I should be clear, those are the words of Stephen Reeve via Twitter, not ours. So Stephen wrote to us in a disarray. Uh, he sent us this tweet. Major shock to the APU. As I said, it's like a headline here. It's kind of written this almost like a, an expose. Is Alan Partridge even from Norfolk? In the Scouts and Schooling chapter of the audiobook, I Partridge... Alan refers to the town of Cottesy. Now, I may have pronounced that wrong, but we'll get to that. Um, pronouncing it as it is spelt. However, anyone that's lived in Norfolk knows it's pronounced Cozzy. Has Alan been misappropriating his Norfolk heritage all along? Also, I detect not a smidgen of a Norfolk accent when Alan talks. I think all fops deserve a statement from Alan. Otherwise, we could become N-fops, not <laughs> friends of Partridge. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, I, th I feel like it's fairly easily cleared up. It's somebody, a fictitious character written by someone who's not from Norfolk and hasn't done their research properly, isn't it? It's definitely that. And, but I did think it's, it's a very good spot that actually some of the local pronunciation is off. Like, it's in, I'm surprised that things like that haven't happened before. Uh, or maybe they have, but people just haven't bothered getting in touch with us. Uh, but I think as for the accent, I mean, we've discussed this a lot over the years anyway, but I do think they made quite a good... They gave some quite good tongue-in-cheek reasoning for this in the AMA episode from the Oast House mm. anyway. So I think they know that the accent has not only slipped from what it used to be, but also he's essentially never sounded like he comes from Norfolk. But I think in that episode in particular, they just kind of like, they put that to bed essentially. Like, they know, and that is, that is what it is. They've made fictitious reasons for it, and everyone's got to move on. Okay, well, from Norfolk, we're going to travel uh, somewhere a little more exotic as we head to Malta. Uh, that's right. It's an email from, uh, and I hope I pronounced <laughs> correctly. I'm, I'm worried that this is going to go badly. Good luck, Gene uh, Michael Jar. Should we apologise now just to get that get that done? Uh, yeah, I need a blanket apology that covers me for this episode and all other previous and future episodes. Nick is so, sorry. What? He's sorry. He's so, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, so to you, Bruce McAuliffe, Einord, Einord, Einord. Finkel is Einord. 
I say I say sorry to you, sir, as I read your email, which says, Dear Monkey Tennis Guys, I wanted to write to tell you how much I'm enjoying your Partridge podcast, which I've recently discovered. I love to listen to it while riding the bus, washing the dishes, or having classic intercourse. Uh, brackets, okay, <laughs> not the last one. Uh, I live in Malta, and thankfully, BBC Prime, as it was known here, wonder where they got that idea from, uh, broadcast the show. <laughs> as kids, uh, my brothers and I would drive my dad round the bend by endlessly quoting Norfolk's finest son. Imitating Partridge came in handy when in 2013, at the age of 20, I noticed a contest on a Partridge fan Facebook page uh, where it asked to send in a video of yourself imitating Alan to win a pair of tickets to Norwich's Norwich's Alpha Papa Premier. Assuming such a lucrative contest would be flooded with entries, I knew I needed to stand out. I therefore decided to recreate Alan's lap dance daydream, which... Well, you can judge the result for yourself, and he's included a YouTube uh, link. Um, he goes on to say, turns out I was the only one to actually participate, so won the tickets by default. <laughs> I made a partridge pilgrimage from Malta to Norwich, like the Jed Maxwell-esque fan I am, and had an incredible time. Uh, while I didn't get to meet Coogan himself, I did have a lovely chat with Matt Holness, a.k.a. Garth Marenghi. Um I should also say that we haven't seen the video despite the fact that you included the link um, because, and I think we're going to say thankfully, uh, the video is set to private. So, um, (laughs) yes, we weren't able to see uh, or judge your award entry. But if it's good enough for the Partridge fan Facebook page, then I assume it's going to be good enough for us. So thank you, Bruce. Yeah, I, I think we can just assume that it's great. We don't actually need to see it. So that's fine. It's time to talk about a Delft meetup. Now, for those of you who uh, may not have listened to previous uh, feedback episodes or indeed need a bit of a refresher, um, this is we've had a couple of people um, pop up in our in our feedback episodes who are from the town of Delft, which is in the Netherlands. Um, and it turns out there's even more of you. We'll start with uh, Marie Dixon. She says, hello, Monkey Tennis. Just got back from a bike ride to Delft today. Um, it's King's Day in the Netherlands. I don't know why she thought she'd include that, but anyway. Uh, and was surprised to hear a, a Becky in Delft had written in. Please let her know I'm listening down the road in Vorburg. So happy to hear that there are more of us here in the Netherlands. Maybe more listeners in Gouda or Edam. Smell my cheese. Lovely stuff. <laughs> uh, then another message from Johan Herrenberg, who says, Good to know that there are three other fops in Delft. You're welcome to do the programme here. Um, I assume he means a live show. Um, I don't know if there's a, there's appetite for a uh, a, a Delft um, live show. Um, Tom, I think you've looked up the population of Delft, so maybe you could find out if it would be worth travelling there. How many people live in Delft? From according to 2015 data, mm-hmm. the town of Delft has 101,000 uh, people in it. So I mean, that's a fairly sizable population that, that's a decent sized town yeah so, we haven't um, we haven't quite yeah quite, quite crossed over into the mainstream in delft have we yet if we've got five listeners um so uh we've uh, and then we have another message from uh bartus Plictus, I hope I pronounced that right, who says, Hi guys, happy to hear being a Partridge fan from Delft has become a bit of a thing lately. Can confirm that Peter, Bart and Leon, the three Partridge fans on this photo, he's attached a photo, all live in Delft. I assume the number of confirmed Partridge fans in Delft now stands at five. Another Delft fan of mine is a big Partridge fan, uh, but his name being Johan, I presume he has already been included in that account. Yes, he has. He's emailed us. Best wishes and keep up the good work, 
Bart, and he's uh, attached an image which is uh, the a group of them from the town of Delft visiting Norwich, standing outside. Uh, it's Norwich Town Hall, isn't it, or City Hall? Sorry, where uh, Alan visited during the uh, Welcome to the Places of My Life, and uh, the, uh, the the saluting the lines. saluting lines exactly. Yes. So, um, Tom, I believe you have a bit of info on the ACAST stats for for Delft, so we can sort of do a bit more of a deep dive in this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was definitely worth digging into uh, the back-end stats here. So, um, excitingly, Delft does have um, our second-highest amount of listeners in the Netherlands. It's uh, only behind Amsterdam, which I guess is not a huge surprise. Um, However, (laughs) when you do actually break it down properly... It is possible we do only have five listeners in Delft, but they have listened to every episode at least once. Um, so it may not be uh, may not be hundreds of thousands of listeners. It may be five very loyal listeners. So thanks, everyone. Approximately 0.03% are <laughs> <Our> listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're nearly at the end of this second of our two feedback episodes. Um, and next week, as you will hopefully already be aware, we're going to be talking to notable fans of Partridge, a different guest every week, um, about how their lives intertwine with those of Norwich's finest son. Um, and also, uh, yeah, just their highlights and lowlights of the Partridge uh, universe. But before that, the very important point of bank holidays, as you know, we like to cap off almost every feedback episode with a roundup of your fantasy bank holiday outings with minor celebrities and i'm going to kick us off with rich cramp who says a hot walk with anthea the body turner in the norfolk countryside after we've arrived at a respectable inn that serves lunch on oval plates will smooch over pints of bitter michael lasky wants to go wine tasting with sally gunnell followed by a refreshing dip at sheringham splash leisure center lovely last gunnell but my god a dreadful swimmer <laughs> Annie in Cambridge writes canoeing with Dave Benson Phillips on the River Wye, followed by a bang-up roast dinner washed down with a Ledbury Golden Ale. Thomas Shepherd says he wants to play knock-a-door run with Mo Farah. He would have to moderate his speed accordingly, though. Becky Rogerson says hang gliding with Shadow from Gladiators and Kaylee with Davina. Grant Jameson wants to go to Cafe Nero with the Emperor Nero. <laughs> I'll have a mango and passion fruit smoothie and he'll have a fiddle. Mm. Jesus Mourinho uh, writes Jeff Capes Tank Museum I'd like to see people try to push past in the toilet queue with him in tow <laughs> that is brilliant uh, Rob Lager says go for a carvery with Gordon Ramsay followed by a kickabout in a local park oh, Richard Payne says pony trekking in the new forest with Jay Blades followed by an evening in the local harvester Andrew Davis says, I'd go for a walk in the woods with James Corden and a large shovel. Well, that took a bit of a dark turn. <laughs> Jason Stafford adds to that by saying, I'd like to go for a long walk off a short pier with Noel Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Walton says, I'd like to spend the day go-karting with Gloria Hunniford. No helmets. <laughs> Ian Derry says, I would like to go to Watton Bacon Factory with Greg Wallace. Nudge him near the slick. James Wilson would like to spend the day with failed X Factor contestant Chico and they would go whelk picking off the coast of Aberdeen. It's Chico time. And finally, uh, Marcus James uh, says falconry with Eamon Holmes, followed by a carvery with extra Yorkshire and a big fat shot of Wainwrights. Um, so, yeah, an- another uh, fantastic round of. Uh, perfect bank holidays there uh, i'm loving some of the things that are becoming very regular toby carvery yep. definitely features every time mm-hmm. i think we had gordon ramsay last week and this week um dave yeah, benson phillips dave benson phillips yeah he's we have ve- almost he's very every regular time. occurrence yeah um 
I mean, also, what I do think is funny every time we compile these, I've got no idea if we've actually repeated any of yeah. the same ideas from other people over the time. Um, but it's just always so much fun to pull them together and read them out. So it doesn't really matter. It's just a bit of fun. There'll always be bank holidays and an extra one next year because the Queen's old. Uh, that's all from us for your feedback so uh, yes thank you so much to everybody who got in touch and obviously to all of you for listening um, and especially to the people that went to ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis and shouted us the price of a cup of coffee we love you the best um, we'll see you next week when we'll be starting our new series properly with some very exciting interviews all about Partridge with people whose lives and careers in some cases have been shaped or touched by Alan himself uh, from all of us at Monkey Tennis the Alan Partridge fan podcast thanks and goodbye Shall we go to a carvery? Only if they've got extra Yorkshires. I am hopping mad and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yup, absolutely. Yup, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Damn! Monkey tennis? Love this, my foot on the spine. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmunds is a total wazzer of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. I said, who the hell is that? This is great banter. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.